Welcome to the Theology of the Buddy podcast, episode 19. In this week's episode, the boys discuss the rich symbolism and the rites of Holy Week in the pre-1955 and 1962 Roman Missals, from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday. So, come take a seat and join the guys as they share what they love so much about the pre-Vatican II rites of Holy Week. Welcome to Theology of the Buddy. Episode 19? Yes. Yes. <laughs> we got it. Boy. Oh, is this a well, thing? Welcome in, everybody. Hey. Yeah, normally I'm the one that sounds stupid at the beginning. Oh, uh, go. You got you got punked, bro. Shoot. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Episode 19. Holy moly. We're coming into the week of weeks. Huh? We out. When this podcast goes out, will it be the week of weeks? It won't be. It'll be right before it. Okay, perfect. Yeah, it's for us. We're recording right now on the seventh of April, but this will be coming out this upcoming Wednesday, and then the following week. The we week are of weeks. Yeah, <laughs> and we will be experiencing the week of weeks together. This seems like it's going to be an intense week. Both Chris and Aaron have their arms up in the air, waving them about. We're pointing to the future. Okay, <laughs> the week in the year two thousand. I think they might be talking about Holy Week. <laughs> We are, we are, but uh, yeah, we're gonna get into that in a little bit. But uh, yeah, do you guys want to? You guys want to do some some quick shout outs? Yeah. I want to. I want to give a quick shout out right now to all of our followers on Facebook, uh, in particular to the hundredth follower who uh, <laughs> we celebrated your arrival and then you promptly left. And, and now liked our page. So now we're down to 99. 99. There's a page, there's a post sitting on our page celebrating 100 <laughs> followers. <laughs> and now we're at 99. It's really sad. No. I should have, I should have waited to like 102, that's, 103. That's now you know. Now you know. Maybe one of our followers just wanted us to experience some Lentenness <sighs> in that celebration. Could have been Gigi. That would only happen. Could have been Gigi. It's true. Or Owen. Hi, Owen. I don't know if you ever listened to this podcast, but if you do, hi, buddy. Yeah, guys. So, uh, yeah, but seriously, to all those who have sincerely joined up and followed us on Facebook, we really appreciate it. Uh, our awesome friends on Insta, 86 friends on Insta. I mean, we're quickly, you know, I mean, we've been on Facebook for a few months and we've been, only been on Instagram for a little bit, but we're catching up feel like we're very niche in terms of our podcast no 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 applicable to everyone yeah everyone i don't know i don't know i mean according to the reviews we are right there was that guy global warmer i think it was yeah uh, aka was it your brother i don't know we will never know (laughs) um but yeah he he said that we we're not just you know talking about topics that apply to trads but all catholics right at which point aaron says all all Catholics should be trads. Yeah, sorry. I zoned out there. Yeah, why not? Let's do it. Yeah. Um, so if you are on Facebook, okay, guys, if you are on Facebook, we would love for you to leave us a voicemail. We, uh, we're, we're super low budge right now, but uh, you can go on Facebook. Uh, and if you use the Messenger app on, on Facebook, you can send us... A voicemail just go to theology of the buddy click message on Facebook or message us on Facebook and you can 
send us a voicemail. So why don't you go ahead and do that and we'll feature it in a future podcast. I'm I think actually it'd be kind of stoked for that. It'd be fun. Yeah, I think it'd be great. Yeah, and to our truth bomb purveyor, that would mean that you would have to get Facebook, bud. So no, 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 no. Justin, no. Facebook is not ready for. Justin's not allowed. <laughs> Justin's not allowed. <laughs> uh, we love you, Justin. You're great. Uh, also, if you uh, you're feeling super generous this Lent, we'd love for you to like and review us on uh, on iTunes. Spotify. I know you can't leave reviews there, but if you can, give us a follow. We'd love it. So, speaking of of that, so yeah, did you guys hear about the new apostolic exhortation uh, from Pope Francis? I did not, and I actually didn't read your excerpt so that it could be fresh. Fresh. Okay. So, um, so this was released, I think, March twenty fifth. It is the report given after the synod or whatever. It's essentially these, the, not the report, but the exhortation he wrote after the whole youth synod thing that went down in Rome. And guys, it's 300 some odd paragraphs. Mm. And it's, it's a, it, for an encyclical about young people or an exhortation about young people, it's, I don't see any young person under the age of 40 being able to actually read and understand it. But there there was a particular point that I was reading that, that made me feel a little warm and fuzzy on the inside, not on the outside. I'm already warm and fuzzy on the outside. Um, but he he said this, and it made me think of you guys. It says in paragraph 151, he says, Friendship is one of life's gifts and a grace from God. Through our friends, the Lord refines us and leads us to maturity. Faithful friends who stand at our side in times of difficulty are also a reflection of the Lord's love, his gentle and consoling presence in our lives. The experience of friendship teaches us to be open, understanding, and caring towards others, to come out of our own comfortable isolation, and to share our lives with others. For this reason, quote, there is nothing so precious as a faithful friend, end quote. Friendship is no fleeting or temporary relationship, but one that is stable, firm, and faithful, and matures with the passage of time. A relationship of affection that brings us together, and a generous love that makes us seek the good of our friend. Friends may be quite different from one another, but they always have things in common that draw them closer in mutual openness and trust. Uh, you had a buddy moment with an uh, apostolic exhortation. I did. I did. I was That's thinking great. about you guys, especially like there, there are moments, right? We, we, I mean, we've been talking about how this like podcast kind of stretches us. It's like, it's kind of true, you know? And also the point where he's like, friends may be quite different from one another. You know, I'm, currently sitting here with long hair i'm the most devastatingly good looking among us you know i mean just vast difference. my intellect is like 200 yeah 200 something it's daunting yeah. <laughs> matures with the passage of time like our podcast has yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's good yeah that is nice by the way if you hear our dog uh, my dogs uh we are currently housing five dogs at the house so we apologize if you hear dogs barking it will probably inevitably happen on this podcast so we're currently puppy sitting so <laughs> um but anyway yeah no guys i i was reading that and i was thinking about us and how one of the things that we do is we like to go and experience 
obviously the Latin mass together, but we're almost like one of the, the first things that we did is kind of separately, but you know, as friends, we, we went and checked out the Triduum in Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to do that again. Only this time, like the first time it was like Aaron came and then the next year Matt came. So now it's the three of us and Julie are going to come out. So I'm excited. Are you guys excited? Very I'm, excited. I'm, I'm 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 losing my mind about how excited I am. I need I need a day off. Like it's just that what it is. Yeah. So I need a good a good uh, extended time away from work and yeah. to get refocused on the Lord and all of that too. It's nice too. We get the hotel and then we can just spend the whole week triduing. Um, <laughs> triduing. I mean. Anyway. Yeah. And it's you know you don't have to worry about chores dogs who's, yeah who's looking after your dogs while you're gone we're we're taking them to a kennel okay cool yeah yeah, yeah. i'm excited though yeah so but but this year's going to be different go on right because you guys are going to be going and checking out uh the oratory yeah because the institute is the best <laughs> i i tend to agree in certain ways their pews suck yeah <laughs> Um, everything else is great there. Um, but I mean, at the Institute of Christ, the King Sovereign Priest Parish in Detroit, so that's St. Joseph's Oratory, they're doing the pre-1955 Holy Week, Mm -hmm. which is, I mean, it is quite different. I mean, if you've, if you've experienced obviously in the Novus Ordo, what, what the Novus Ordo is like going just to a regular Latin mass in the 1962 Missal is like a mind-blowing experience yeah worlds apart yeah so i mean and this just takes it even further in terms of the richness and the history that's uh, imbued in it so yeah we thought because we're we talked about this on i think podcast one where we were talking about how we're liturgical nerds and we'll argue about bishop socks i thought it would be kind of cool to talk about some of the cool things that we love about the Holy Week liturgies in the in the traditional rite. What what do you guys think? I'm Absolutely, ready. I'm down. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So let's talk about our favorite brand of chips, Ruffles. Ruffles. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's another thing too. Before we get into this, this is not an exhaustive review. We're just gonna be kind of talking about some things that we we love that stuck out to us. So. Yeah, if you want the history of it, it's pretty well. It's pretty complex. The changes that happened. Yeah. But if you do want an exhaustive review, I think New Liturgical Movement put out it's like a twelve-part series on like a synopsis of all the changes. Um, maybe maybe we can link that in the show notes. So you guys mm-hmm. want to talk about Palm Sunday? Well, why don't you just give people a quick intro on what we're even talking about? Yeah. Okay. So we're the pre nineteen fifty five. I think last year it was, yeah, we talked about this, that Ecclesia Day that no longer exists opened up. Rip. Yeah, rest in peace, Ecclesia Day. Opened up permission pretty much for any Latin mass parish that wanted to. They could use the pre-1955 ritual. Are we sure about that? Can we double check that? No, it was, they gave it to specific, like small yeah. locations, I thought. I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was Institute. I thought it was. Oh, FSS. right. It, it was, was just a couple Latin of mass. trials. So... But the uh, the reason this is an issue for, I guess, some trads is 
there are people who hang their hat on the 1955 reforms of Holy Week under Pope Pius XII as kind of the trajectory that led to the later changes of the Novus Ordo. I mean, in one sense, like there, there are even people who totally reject it and they just won't use Holy Week from 1962. So there are whole groups that won't use the 1962 missile for that very reason. Uh, but th I guess in one sense, you know, as a trad issue, they may have... Mm, some people are a little... You know, you can understand why they have this approach when you know the characters behind it. Right. And it was... We'll probably talk about him in an upcoming episode more. Annabelle Bunini. Bunini. Was it Bunini? Some people okay. just got shivers down their backs. So he was actually involved in those reforms. Really? And it was when Pius XII was getting older, I was yeah. told. The thought is, certainly, any of the groups that reject these changes, so like the Society of St. Pius V, they talk about how you know, it, it seems like Bunini took advantage of an aging and infirm Pius XII to kind of convince him to do these changes because that's the holiest week of the liturgical year and it for that to be the first thing that was tinkered with you know it kind of just pushed it, it, it I think it gave the reformers the idea that well if we can mess with holy week let's let's go for it that was the foot in the door wow yeah oh, I didn't know that I mean the 19 so Post-1955, it's they're still beautiful liturgies, but a lot did change. And wow. so, yeah, we'll just talk about some of the things that yeah. we know Palm about. Sunday, uh, it's the first time the priest ever faced the people. Well, rubrically, anyway, like they were doing it in Germany and in certain places before. But before, like the first time on the books was Palm Sunday, the blessing of the palms. The priest faced the people. And this is in 62? 62 okay so if yeah 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 62 so like why people care about 55 and 62 that's kind of the whole reason just these changes people see it has like the foot in the door to like worse things so but this podcast isn't really about that this is more just the cool stuff we're going to see on holy week yeah so like the blessing of the palms is pretty intense in the pre-1955 like it even has its own reading gradual like a gospel a preface it has a sanctus everything before the palms are blessed yeah um and that apparently that core of the liturgy is extremely ancient mm -hmm. so it actually has its own name like the misa sica but so that's that's pretty exciting to see i've never seen a pre-1955 yeah. palm sunday yeah i noticed noted that uh, Fortescue, is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. Um, notes that the blessing of the palms has similar aspects to a mass, mm -hmm. right? Like it's got yeah. like an introit, it's got a collect, it's got everything except a consecration, obviously. Yeah. You know, um, even readings. Um, it's got its own readings and everything. Mm -hmm. So, um, do you remember how ancient it is? No, no, no. Just when I was reading around it, talks about it being, you know, probably dates back to very early church times. I mean probably wouldn't be crazy to say it goes back to like Pope Gregor the Great or something but you know it's one of these ancient processions that happened to right because Palm Sunday although purification was a huge procession this is the most obvious one because you know our Lord entered into Jerusalem yeah with palms yeah they also talk pretty cool about the palms themselves they talk about um in the blessing how they have effective power as sacramentals against demonic powers that was actually taken out in the 
1955 reforms as well interesting mm-hmm. really so yeah, yeah hold on to your palms yeah yeah i mean i guess they just yeah it'll be interesting to see how how this all plays out because most of our missiles actually don't even have the the old holy week right so i don't yeah. need, i haven't looked up all these prayers i'm kind of excited just to see them as they happen That'd yeah cool hey i have a question sure not on the show notes i have no idea the the procession how did it become like a good thing because the first one was not like all the jews there were just gonna like turn their back on our lord in like the next 24 hours so like why is this something we celebrate do you guys know that well i mean why do we celebrate good friday right i mean it's the whole it's the fact that he was entering into his passion for us you know like you know and i don't know like i think that yeah yeah i i don't think there's anything wrong like i think the jews at the time they were genuinely joyful to see him riding in to the city on a donkey because that fulfills some scripture but i mean even though they did betray him later and they they also had the wrong concept right like they thought he was going to come in and establish this earthly kingdom so you know maybe liturgically the church is probably showing us that the same thing can happen in our lives we have this joyful palm sunday but just five days later on good friday we're celebrating his crucifixion Hmm. i don't know i think there's catechetics in that too and all processions are mingled joy and Sora, right? We talked about this in the uh, purification. The purification, yeah. I guess that's true. But yeah, no, I I, I also noted um, if you've been to the Palm Sunday in the Novus Ordo, like they do the readings and stuff at the back of the church. Um, the one thing that I love about that I, I've come to really appreciate about, especially just the Latin Mass in general, is the fact that the readings are never separated from the sanctuary. Um and you know what I mean? Like it, and, and even it's, they're not even separated from the altar itself. It's not this split altar of all, you know, table of the word table of the, of sacrifice or the sacrament or whatever they call it now. Um, you know, it's all one, you know, because Christ is the priest, the victim, you know, the altar of sacrifice. He's not split in multiple places. Um, but yeah, so I just thought that was cool that, you know, in the especially in the pre fifty five, the readings are not separated from the sanctuary. Both the epistle and gospel are read from the sanctuary, and it's from there that the procession begins. The procession ends where it begins, unlike Holy Thursday, right? You're going to a place at Holy Thursday, right? The the altar of repose. Um, mm-hmm. But here it kind of loops back and comes back to the uh the altar yeah and this is the procession where they take the processional cross and they bang the church doors open yeah yeah but it's actually yeah leading up to that though the choirs okay yeah yeah, yeah we yeah, should yeah, talk yeah. About yeah, that. yeah yeah talk about that well so two cantors go into the church i think before the procession procession ends and the main doors of the church are shut and they actually start to chant the gloria laus to the closed doors and they're supposed to represent, so the entire procession is outside. They're supposed to represent the heavenly choir joining in the liturgy. Um, and then the choir outside is repeated by, or they repeat the Gloria Laus. Um, but when when it finishes, the subdeacon takes the cross and bangs on the door three times. 
so that those the heavenly choir and the choir of the procession can join their voices start to mingle and then the procession proceeds into the church that's and it's so the cool. cross that bangs open the doors, the doors. to heaven yeah yeah that's cool i know I love, yeah see this when, is this is the kind of stuff that yeah. i just love about the latin mass it's just everything is so rich yeah and beautiful and it may it, I, don't, I don't know what their intentions were i try not to read into it too much but why would they get rid of that because even if you didn't really understand any of the latin you would know what was happening there you see the cross bang on the doors and all of a sudden these voices are joining in whereas in the yeah after 1955 the doors are just left open uh, still in the in the latin mass but yeah. yeah now now maybe maybe this doesn't make sense at all and you can tell me if i'm an idiot but like like we if we keep mentioning like low masses at that time you know mm-hmm. low masses were becoming more common than misa cantatas and whatnot prior to the reforms of, of vatican ii could it have been the fact that they're like, oh, that requires way too much work, you know, having choirs and deacons and subdeacons and all this stuff like they're just kind of slowly chipping away. And again, that I mean, that smells of Bunini, you yeah. know, it it really does. But Yeah, you can see. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that was their motivation. I hope not. Yeah. I like Chesterton. Anything worth doing is worth doing badly. It would be hard to have these choirs of people who can barely sing sing the Gloria Laus back and forth. But, but they would always just do it at the cathedral. Like the cathedral True. could always afford this. So even if you're out in a farm somewhere, farm church, that's fine. You can't do it. You know, I'm sure you could do your best, but they, yeah. So, hey, do you know, like I was looking up that too. So apparently there was some bishop put in prison by a emperor unjustly and he uh the procession was going by for palm sunday and then the people like back when like catholics used to actually do things like as a mob they just stopped there and then they just like we're not going anywhere like and they told the emperor like let this bishop out of prison we like him and then everything went silent and then he started singing uh whatever the heck they sing while they're banging the door with the cross and like and then everyone you know cried and they let him out and he actually wrote he was supposed to be the one who was this bishop theodore bishop of orleans he was the one who wrote whatever we sing when they're banging the cross door open and that's how that tradition came to be i'm not sure if that's true but that's a great story so that's cool yeah it's pretty cool but it was retained probably in part for that imagery right yeah separating yeah. the two yeah yeah one thing that i thought was interesting too so like during the reading of the passion which does which is done on the on Palm Sunday. Um, so first of all, there's no Dominus Vobiscum. No candles are used. Mm. Um, there is a, you may notice this, um, even if you go to the 62, there's a distinct tone of Christ's voice versus the people's. The people's voice is supposed to be, it says specifically high and an, essentially high and annoying. Yeah. Like the rabble <laughs> essentially is supposed to sound Do you chaotic. remember it? Yeah. yeah, our Lord's voice is very low. Something like that. Yeah, I yeah, I remember the first time I heard that it was Father Acton. He's a man's man, so when he sang those low, our Lord's voice, it was like whoa, like rumbles through the church. Yeah, yeah, and they actually had, I don't know why, but they had two gospels, right? Like they chanted the Passion, yeah. There was a proper gospel to the Mass as well. Yeah. Well, there would there have been the the or the gospel read during the Palms. Right. Yeah, I think there was one during the mass then as well. 
so they had the anyway because because the mass itself was actually is different because in the 1962 the priest again begins the mass by turning around and reading a proclamation to the people and then in the pre-1955 at the end of the procession the prayers at the foot of the altar started and the mass proceeded as as normal but i think there was a separate passion but wow. and gospel but anyway something like that yeah cool so you guys want to move on to holy, holy thursday? thursday yeah yeah so part of uh our own uh big tea tradition is we are going to go out after the mass of holy thursday this is a big tea tradition yeah. this, is this is a, a big, big tea, tea tradition, tradition um that we have instituted um promulgated mode appropria and we are slavishly obeying the collect of that mass yes yes which says what matt well part of it says our alert lenten observances having been completed yeah yeah so this is thursday night thursday we're night. done lent we're yeah. done so so last year it fell on matt's birthday so we went out to this great place called owl mm-hmm. and it's an all-night diner it's in great. detroit and they made us uh they had uh like off the menu yeah. uh chicken fried chicken with oh yeah and dude it was great yeah, the first question she asked you is if you wanted the burger or the dinner. Yeah. And you said, what's the difference? And yeah. It took her like five minutes to give you this emotional buildup to how amazing yeah. the dinner was <laughs> and how she didn't eat for two days after yeah, she, she Yeah, she was just this like this little thing of a server and she comes out and she says, okay, imagine for a moment. And she reaches out her arms like almost full length and it's like almost the size of a like a beach ball if not bigger than that like a medicine ball this, this big. big and it's just covered in gravy and chicken and all this stuff and, and matt and i are just like i'll have one of those you know? yeah i had already ordered like the fish tacos oh, yeah, or something that's right. before that that's right. i regretted it yeah. bitterly yeah yeah no i ordered the chicken fried chicken so now now we have instituted for because literally for a year Matt has mentioned, oh, let's go to Owl. <laughs> so um, we're going to go back to Owl. So in obedience to the collect saying that we're done our Lenten observances, we're going there. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're going to probably jump right back into fasting yeah. at, at midnight. Betray to him. It's yeah. not Lent anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. So Holy Thursday. I, I absolutely love the liturgy of Holy Thursday. Um, I don't know if it's because of the fact that like St. Peter Julian Amard really kind of inspired in me a great love for that night. Um, he's one of my favorite saints, by the way. Um, but yeah, his his love for the Eucharist and the institution of the Eucharist really helped me to fall in love with with Holy Thursday and watching that liturgy, especially in the, you know, in the 1962 Missal, it's just it's beautiful to watch you know and the symbolism there it's it's rich you know i mean we're in the nova sordo it's almost become politicized the things that are in that liturgy things like the washing of the feet uh you know and whatnot but i mean in the oh in the in the extraordinary form if you want to call it that in the latin mass those politics aren't necessarily there i mean all at the end of the day it's meant to symbolize the 12 apostles you know and so um i i i do love that they have both of those things 
um, both they in the readings. Uh, you know, we've got the the first reading, which is St. Paul and Corinthians talking about um, the institution of the Eucharist. And then the gospel is the actual reading about the washing of the feet. So um, I love how it's kind of these two things happening at once. But yeah, guys, like, are there things from that liturgy that you, you absolutely love? Make your cricket noise, Chris. Yeah, man, you're doing such a great job. Just keep podcasting. Keep casting, man. I, <laughs> no, okay. You're doing so, so good. So, like, one of the things that I love it, that I never noticed before until I started studying um, was there's no kiss of peace given because of Judas. Is this in both or is this just pre-1955? I didn't look in oh, okay. 1962. Um, I couldn't find that comparison chart. It, it's probably in both. I think it's in both. No kiss of peace. That's yeah. Pretty big. Yeah, yeah. The horror of the the kiss of Judas. The like horror. The horror is it's it's pretty terrible thing to yeah. happen. So to commemorate that every year, very cool. Yeah, no handshake of peace. Yeah. The... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Obviously, the Gloria is sung because of the great institution of the Eucharist, but it's not sung again until until Vigil. I always found it kind of weird hearing the Gloria that day because I always get super stoked about hearing it again at Easter. Um, the bells are rung no more as well. So they're, so the bells that are rung during the Gloria uh, cease um, and are rung no more until Easter, symbolizing the silence of the apostles. Oh, and that's, is that when they start using the clapper? Yeah. <laughs> the wooden clapper. The, yeah. If you haven't heard it, it's the most horrific thing. And they use it during the consecration, don't they? Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't even know how to like mimic it. It's just like this it's horrible like clack, clack, clack. It's and it's yeah. supposed to be a penitential sound. It's, I think yeah. it's <laughs> disturbing. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. So yeah, I read this thing saying that the replacement of bells with the clacking of wood is to remind us of the cross itself. Mm-hmm. You know that reminder of like even just the sound of it almost kind of sounds like the sound of nails in wood, in a way. Yeah, like a yeah. reminder of Jesus's crucifixion. So. Um, hey, can I ask you about one of the changes? Get yeah. your thoughts on it. So the was it the mandatum when they actually washed the feet? That actually didn't used to be during mass. It was not in the middle of the liturgy. It was actually after mass. Um, in the fifty-five. Yeah, and the idea was not oh. to interrupt mass. Now it takes place right after the homily. But oh, okay. any thoughts on that? Oh. Wow. You know, that stuck with me for years when I read Martin Mosenbach's The Heresy of Formlessness. And he talks about how we have all these liturgical interruptions. So even the homily, or say if there's a long uh, Gloria, the priest kind of goes and sits down. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's, you know, the liturgy is supposed to be this seamless process that just takes place. But we have all these kind of breaks. Because we're like, oh, and and even during the homily, like he takes off his maniple, right? Like the work of the liturgy is on pause for now. So, you know, these are all more, probably more recent changes. But Interesting. Uh, that's that's another thing that was changed. Yeah. How recent is homilies during mass? I don't know. Homilies were experimental a long time ago, yeah. but they didn't use, I'm not sure when they were actually put into mass. I think when they were first done, it was after mass or something, but anyway yeah the and the washing of the feet dare i mention his name one more time philip campbell has an amazing (laughs) i'm sorry but yeah anyway he uh he goes through that a lot it 
it originally it was more to do with bishops, abbots, kings. Hmm. There's a saint king who would do it like every month. They just go wash some poor people's feet, yeah. and the bishop would do all his priests. They'd have two sets of twelve. They'd have a bishop would do his priests and poor people, and then just for convenience' sake, they they dropped the poor people just to do the priests because that was like the original. Um, originally what happened with our blessed Lord doing it to his apostles. Hmm. But um, there's a, there's a lot behind that and what's changed over like thousands of years with the washing of the feet. You can look into it, but I can't remember why I brought this up. I'm sure there's a you reason. You just like talking about Philip. Philip Campbell. Yes. <laughs> okay. I just had to get in. Okay. Now I just have to get my mom in here and then I'm, I'm done. I'm done with the podcast. Uh, can we, can we actually get your mama on the podcast? That'd be yeah. amazing. Uh, I don't think she would. She's, she's too modest. So. Too modest. Ma'am. You wouldn't understand Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My mom doesn't even listen to the podcast. No, my, my mom thought, uh, the mental prayer one was the best one. She just so did, so did uh, so did Brooke. Yeah, mm-hmm. just because yeah. we didn't. She interrupted her her daily routine of, uh, you know, watching her her children destroy her house, and she after she heard the podcast, she walked down and told her husband, "That was the best podcast yet." Cool. <laughs> Thanks, Brooke. I wish I wish she had mentioned uh, like messaged us and said, "Hey, great job on the podcast, but hey, so beggars can't be choosers." Yeah, I guess not. Um, so last year, at we actually went to Assumption Grotto for yes, we Holy did, Cruiser, right? Uh, and that was pretty shocking—the stripping of the altar. Yeah, um, it's just you know, it's it's kind of unceremonious, and it's supposed to be like everything is taken off the altar. It's just left bare, and even like yeah, the tabernacle. Is, yeah, like the cover on the tabernacle is removed. Yeah, and yeah. I um, I mean, it's it's very interesting too. Like, I'm not necessarily completely used to having the altar of repose in the church. I I like the fact that we have these separate altars in the mm-hmm. church to be able to be used for that purpose. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, going into a church with no no presence of Jesus in the blessed sacrament is to me, it helps me enter in more, but yeah. I mean, and, and at least visually into the spirit of it, you know, you're sitting there and you're, you know, thinking about the sadness of, of good Friday. And then you look over and there's all these candles and Jesus is yeah. there. Like, uh, I'm just going to pretend you're not there for right now. <laughs> I don't, do you have that experience too? Or No, uh, but the only thing I thought was, is weird is as long as the crucifix is covered and the tabernacle is empty you don't genuflect to the high altar right right that was something that canon stein said wasn't it but as soon as that main crucifix is uncovered you you do genuflect still yeah out of respect for that crucifix but uh, that's a very odd experience yeah 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 that was the thing so yeah just to kind of clarify so um, I know there's a lot of confusion about what to do when, you know, during these these days of Holy Week where uh, the Eucharistic species is removed from the tabernacle. Do you still genuflect? Do you not? Um, so Canon Stein said specifically that, especially in these parishes where there is a crucifix, that when it's uncovered, um, that 
that you should genuflect, but if it's covered, you don't. Yeah. But you know why it may be in St. Joseph oratories because in the pre-1955, the altar wasn't stripped completely bare. They actually left a crucifix on it with two candles, one on either side. And that actually stayed on the altar for even the Good Friday liturgy. So oh, instead wow. of being completely bare, there was something on the altar. So that may wow. be where his remarks come from, because, you know, if that's there with candles, then, yeah, you do genuflect. Right. Right. So, yeah. So genuflection should be done to the crucifix. I mean, you don't necessarily need to have yeah. our Lord physically present in the Blessed Sacrament to genuflect mm-hmm. and bend the knee. Um, yeah, that's a good, very, very good point. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah. Um, good Friday. Yeah. Let's talk about Good Friday. So yeah, so Good Friday. Originally, it was a liturgical. I like that na- that word. What does that a mean? Liturg- without a liturgy. Oh, okay. They just didn't do a liturgy on that day. Is that because it wasn't considered a liturgy? I think you know, so. It was the mass of the pre-sanctified. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. There's the obligatory hit of the microphone stand for this podcast. My bad, everyone. <laughs> yeah, supposedly the mass comes from the 6th century for yeah. that day. Um, I didn't know that. So similar to what was celebrated in the titular churches of Rome where the Pope did not assist. So places like, um, what would that be? St. John uh, Lateran would have been a place where this would have been celebrated. Right? That's a titular church. That's Saint John the Lateran. official church of the Pope. So, okay. So, so any other church but that. <laughs> yeah, so any other church Bringing but that. <laughs> I don't know them. Mary Major? Mary Minor? Probably. Uh, I don't know. You know, Same. Yeah. Something outside the walls. St. Paul's outside oh, the walls. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, so, yeah. So, veneration of the cross itself, which is done during the Good Friday liturgy, derives from the liturgy in Jerusalem from mm-hmm. the 4th century, which I thought was cool. When they actually had the true cross. Yeah. Like, cool. St. Helena, right? That's cool. Um, so, yeah. One thing I didn't know was that in Rome, the papal reliquary of the Holy Cross was sprinkled with perfume to symbolize the grace and sweetness of the Lord and the cross. We we used to have a piece of the cross just for a moment. It was brought in by a buddy and he was... Do you remember that? No. Oh, yeah. Um, Greg, I don't know if he got in trouble. Oh, yeah, that's right. He got in a lot of trouble, so we didn't have the cross anymore. But he just just had it moved because they were doing construction and he was unsure if if they were going to take proper care of it. So he just thought to safeguard it. He just, I don't think anyone even knew it was there. No, no, he got in trouble. He got in trouble. Once he said he moved it. Moved it, yeah. But it was sitting there with a certificate. I think it was actually signed in 1962 from the Vatican, a certificate of authenticity. It's a good year. (laughs) Yeah, he found this in a high school chapel. In the back of the tabernacle. In the back of the tabernacle in a high school chapel. Yeah. The things you find, eh? Yeah. So Greg, Greg, what were you doing in the tabernacle? Yeah, it was open. It, oh, our Lord okay. wasn't so I guess if you want to go venerate the cross, go to what, Regina Mundi in London, Ontario, <laughs> and you go or or Assumption Grotto. Assumption oh, they have... Grotto. Yep. So I... the the cross that you venerate, there's a a reliquary underneath our Lord's feet. That's oh. a relic of yep. the true cross, and and they actually do a procession with the actual true cross. Yeah. Cool. Which is super cool. Yeah. Right. So they actually have two, don't they? They got two. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I, I love it. So, um, my favorite part of good Friday 
are the great intercessions. Yeah. And I we still do those. Are they still done? <laughs> and then over so haven't been yes, to Yes. But they're modified greatly. Heavily, yeah. You know, they have great prayers like yeah. prayer for heretics and schismatics. And in the in the old one. Yes. Yeah. 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 Which like and and prayer for the Jews. Supposedly that's been a um a source of contention with our our Jewish friends. Um but I think, you know, being openly praying for the conversion of the Jews is is important. Like I think it was it's the wording of the prior prayer, right? That yeah. people took issue ben- with. Benedict changed it. He did change it. And it'll be interesting to see if it which one they use in this pre nineteen fifty five. Yeah. Because it, it used to be for the perfidious Jews. Like that and and you actually didn't genuflect at that prayer. Oh, there was no lo- yeah. That's yeah. right, because yeah, there was no uh Flectamus Genoa. Yeah. yeah, so for yeah. most of the prayers, you, you do a bow. The deacon calls out Flectamus Genoa, let us bend the knee, and then levate, arise. Yeah. After and the, the prayers, this is after so. you've been hanging around and haven't been eating for like three hours. Then yeah. they just keep telling you to bend the knee, and you were like, oh man, yeah. screw off. Like, the, <laughs> like just, just, these prayers gotta end. It was, it's great. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but what's interesting is that the solemn prayers. Um, or solemn intercessions find their roots in Judaism, mm-hmm. um, but the the ones that we have now are um, they find their roots in the fifth century. They derive from the fifth century, um, and according to to the one document I was reading, it says it's assuredly of apostolic origin. Mm. So, like the way that they we say these prayers, which you know, if it is. You know, Jewish in origin, that would make sense that the the apostles would be inspired by that and use it. Um, so go to a pre fifty five, and you get a little taste of the apostles. Is yeah, that what you're saying. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. The approach coming back to what you were saying. Yeah, the approach towards the Jews appears somewhat hostile in tone, but with good reason, as they were the first to normally reject, formally reject our Lord. Um, yeah. But you're still praying for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they see Christ's light. Yeah. We don't bend the knee because they didn't bend the knee. Yeah. There were a few little things that were tinkered with, right? Between 55, changes before and after 55. Yeah. Like the Our Father is now said by everyone in the 1962. Yeah. But before the 55 reforms, it was just the priest. Yeah. And that's like every other mass in and, the Latin mass. And... um communion communion thank you yeah wow wow there Ta- it is communion is wasn't given to the faithful before 1955 really? only the priest they consumed. just kept one one host in the altar of repose and then the celebrating priest on friday so on thursday they just kept one host so also oh, in on the good friday liturgy they don't they the faithful don't communicate yeah right because they were talking about that uh yeah the which the I... chalice, right? They put one host in a chalice. Oh, really? It said, yeah, oh, cool. and then and then it's just the chalice that's um, in the tabernacle or the yeah. altar of repose. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, that's a bone of contention for on Friday because people are just so used to receiving it everything. Yeah, and I mean in Canada at least, a great number of like CNE Catholics show up on good friday of all the liturgies to attend for a person who's outside of the faith to go to the good friday liturgy i've always mm. kind of wondered what's the deal with that um 
But do you notice that? Like, I mean, in Canada, at least, it's wall-to-wall people on Good Friday. They're pulling out the chairs at the cathedral, mm-hmm. wow. you know? But, like, you, you don't see anybody at this, I mean, at the cathedral in London. You know, you might get, like, half full, maybe, for vigil. It's like, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. But anyway, continuing on. Um, so, yeah, g- coming back to the veneration of the cross um so it derives from the veneration of the true cross brought to rome by saint helena the ecce lignum crucis i i probably don't say it as well as you would um sounded great um derives from the proclamation of the pope at the time of the donation by saint helena so he literally said behold the wood of the cross like so neat i think saint helena what was she someone's mother or the emperor's mother or wife and she had a vision i can't remember there's a lot of history there too yeah yeah i don't know you guys know it oh shoot i was just throwing it out there home hoping oh it's all on you man Uh, uh, well (laughs) philip campbell's got a lot of great posts about that actually so good save (laughs) hey i again i guess briefly reading about this stuff is it still a double genuflection at every the three times up to the cross i was gonna ask you about that oh great i don't I, know i i wasn't sure what a w double de- oh double oh, genuflection no. okay is. sorry i just you just jogged my memory so they actually yeah before 1955 they would actually genuflect kneel down and then do a, prof- a profound bow at oh. the three times and it's really neat like who's they so like whenever the the, or anyone venerating well anyone in the sanctuary so the priest the deacon the subdeacon and then the entire choir so they would they would genuflect three times on their way to the cross is it does that symbolize our lord's three falls oh in the stations of the cross probably probably yeah (laughs) that's so cool yeah so they, they used to genuflect and then bow down low three times on their way up before they went and then kissed the cross. Now it's just a simple genuflection. But again, wow. three times still. It's it's That's very cool. neat to see, yeah. 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 I love uh what I was reading too about the uh when they start revealing the cross. So in the in in the um in the pre fifty five um and in the sixty two as well, they they do, do this as well. They so first of all, it's got to be a crucifix. So none of this blank cross style yeah. veneration. It needs to be a crucifix. Hmm. Um, so they cover the crucifix that's going to be venerated completely. Um, they go to the right uh, lower side, uh, lower step. Because um, again, in the pre-55, you have to have three steps, three or some odd number three i think is the ideal but you can have one or five as well yeah okay so yeah you go to the lower step on the right side which represents palestine because that's where jesus was originally uh you know where he came from so you um reveal just like his hand so he's only partially revealed at this point then you go up to the top on the epistle side um, again, that represents, we talked about this in another podcast, it represents Jerusalem or the Jews, right? And then the majority of his body is revealed, which, you know, again, Jesus revealed his identity uh, to the priests and the scribes in the temple. You know, he declared in the synagogue, you know, this 
um, this prophecy is fulfilled in your hearing, declaring that he was the son of God. Um, but then they go to the middle of the sanctuary, right in front of the altar, and then they reveal the whole the whole crucifix. So um, showing that Christ was hung completely naked, so completely and fully exposed, um, but also it was on the cross that it was abundantly made clear this is the son of god like what the um that centurion what's the name was it centurion the guy that that actually said you know this truly was the son of god um saint not 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 who longinus yeah he he's the one with the spear yeah 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 so i thought that was kind of cool yeah um that was cool i i i love can we friday can we have brooks cutie catholic uh, Saint Longenis for our for our like podcast. Let's ask her. Hey, hey, uh, hey, Brooke. No, no, uh, no. Would you do a cutie Catholics for us? No, she's already done that one. Has she? Yeah, it was on. So we should do that for like the picture for for this for the cover. Yeah, for the cover. Really? Yeah, I'll have to look already, that up. It's already decided. So okay, cool, done. Man. Hey, also veneration done without shoes. So no shoes. wash your feet on Thursday night. Wait a minute. Well, <laughs> well, the priests. The priests. So that's the only people who are venerating are the people in the sanctuary, like. No, and then it was brought out oh, for okay. the people to venerate as well. Okay. You don't do the triple genuflection though. Oh, okay. But you can if you want. That's kind of cool. Yeah. But um, wasn't wasn't uh, I thought I read too that um, that in the pre fifty five the people would double genuflect. Oh, maybe. Um, cool. But it didn't say that they kissed the cross. Oh, see, it, so much so much changed. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, the new liturgical movement series on this is huge. Yeah. So. so you'll you'll share that in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, and I just wanted to mention quickly. I think it, before 1955, the priest wore a black chasuble at the beginning of the liturgy, while the altar boys would put like a single cloth on the altar. But that just reminded me that if you think you can do it, black black reminds me that Good Friday used to be a black fast, and in medieval times, a black fast meant nothing. No food all day. Water? Well, you can have water. You can have water? Okay. Yeah. But if if you think you have health issues, I guess, you know. No. No. Yeah. You're talk, doing it. Do talk, it. Talk, talk, to your, talk to your healthcare professional. Yeah, talk to your healthcare Dr. professional. Dr. Kubica, can people do the black fast? Who's that? You. Say yes. The answer is yes. I have debilitating diabetes. Can I do it? Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, we're going to do it. So yeah. join in. Maybe... Uh, Hit us up on Facebook and Instagram and let us know if you're you're doing it. And Text can... your your your, fr- your Facebook us your frowny like Pharisee's yeah. face like yeah. disheveled. No, no, no. Yeah, sackcloth and that. No, yeah. wait wait till Holy Saturday to take the picture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right before like we... you go in for the vigil. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the black fast was then followed up by fasting all day on Saturday until after the vigil, which is probably why they moved to the uh, Easter mm-hmm. vigil to Saturday morning. Oh man. But anyway, they well, moved it well, to Saturday morning. In medieval times, oh, medievals were okay. shysters. Oh my gosh! <laughs> they wanted to get it over with. Yeah. So that's actually we might as well start talking about the Easter Vigil. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing that in 1955 was probably a good uh, restoration. Was the vigil was moved back to nighttime? So i'm not sure how long it lasted we can ask philip campbell i'm sure he's got resources on this but he does the big thing on this too yeah should we hit up tenebrae oh yeah Uh, well i'll just say they would 
I mean, Easter vigils were happening at like 9 a.m. Or, you know, they were ending at noon. So I, I can relate to that. You could, I would just yeah. be like, yeah, all right, let's do it. But <laughs> we won't be having it in the morning. No. Instead, yeah, we'll be going no. to Tenebrae. Tenebrae. What's that? What's that? I have no idea. There's no show notes for this, but it's a prayer thingy. Um, it's <laughs> that's a really good description. <laughs> that's good. That's good. It's matins and lauds. It's very mm. somber. For me, it just breaks up my day while I'm trying not to be miserable. Uh, but it's the matins and lauds of mat- that specific day? Or is it the same every day that week, matins and lauds? I know different days of Holy Week are still referred to as tenebrae, but the one that everyone talks about seems to be Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I think. It's, yeah, it's, it's a neat thing. It's cool. They just go through 12 psalms. And then every time they finish one, they extinguish a candle. So they'll actually have 15. No. And actually they no, had... F- please no. Really? Well, it's because there were three nocturnes and then the 12 lessons. How does that represent the apostles? Because well, like, I, I thought they, they extinguished every candle and that represented apostle leaving. For each lesson, yeah. Each I don't lesson. know what the nocturnes represented. Something. Weird. Well, I guess one had to be our Lord because they leave our Be- one. Betrayed three times, maybe? Maybe. Right. Yeah, maybe. But and then when they finish the last candle as they're extinguishing, um, they snuff that and then oh and then in the rubrics it actually <laughs> they, says, they start they start hitting their mic stands. They start hitting mic stands. No, then like all the monks and like all the priests in choir hit their missiles against the chairs. It's kinda cool. Just you, you've been in a church that's fairly quiet and somber and then a bunch of people just start railing on wood with books. It's kind of exciting. Yeah. So it symbolizes the earthquake, oh, the earthquake when our yeah. Lord died. Yeah. And, and I've seen I've seen it done differently. Like I've seen it where they just closed um, yeah. big like oak doors, oh, and really? I mean the church was completely in darkness, and it represented the ceiling of the tomb. That's what they said. Cool. Um, mm-hmm. But I I like the the community involvement of everybody. Yeah. Bang. Like we did a uh, tenebrae last year at, at oratory and everybody is banging the pews. Yeah. I was partially banging it because I was in pain. But <laughs> those, those, pew, those pews. It's perfect for me. the end of Lent and true. <laughs> but they, um, yeah. And then to leave just, just after that, right? Like you hear this huge noise or like the, the fake earthquake and then everyone just leaves. That's the end of tenebrae. And tenebrae means like darkness, right? So it's actually, if you can get that effect where the the only lights in the church are the 15 candles. Sorry, man. It's not 12. Mm. But it, when that last candle goes out, symbolizing our Lord's life being snuffed out, that's, you know, seeing that light leave and then the church is just left in darkness would be pretty neat. Yeah. yeah, and you just walk out very unceremoniously, yeah. right? You're just like, hmm. Just, mm-hmm. I remember I wanted to like hang out with a buddy there, and then he's just like, I don't want to. Yeah. Like, uh, tenebrae. Tenebrae. <laughs> Here we yeah. go. Anyway, and then that night. Well, and then and then in between that and and uh, what? vigil, what? you what? there's a lot of hours. You have to play oh, a board, board game. Board. Yeah, with Chris and Julie. Chris and yeah. Julie are this big is our own fans. crucifixion here. <laughs> Hey, hey, we'll we'll play a solemn solemn no, no, game, right. like, yeah. like like uh, small world, cool. so solemn, so solemn. But th- okay, so I, I I will share my own weakness here. So, <laughs> <laughs> what are you like? <laughs> on vigil on the day of vigil, last, like last Easter, last Easter, I hit a wall. Yeah. I had to I had to get something. 
And so I remember going to Walmart and getting like garlic non bread and just, <laughs> just, and I just pulled off like maybe half of it and ate like maybe three quarters of it. And I was like, Lord, I, I want to eat all of this, but I can't. Um, and so part of that, I guess, kind of now applies to this Lent because I gave up bread in general. <laughs> oh, no, really? <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, no. Shoot. I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm making that up on the spot, but I did actually give up bread for Lent. So, oh, I mean, hey, maybe it's related to my weakness towards <laughs> bread on uh, Easter Vigil. There's no That's coincidences, man. I wanted to get hot cross buns. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, I wanted that to be our collation if we needed for Saturday. I love that word. Collation? collation? Yeah, like it's a word I've never heard until hanging out with you guys. Yeah, I never heard it until hanging out with Matt. And we've just found out the true meaning behind it. Yeah, Drunk. I like that. Well, in French, you never saw that on like French packaging. No. We have bilingual packaging here in Canada. Do you think I read the bilingual packaging? Well, Mr. I French? don't know. If you buy fruit snacks or whatever, it says collation. Collation means a snack. But it didn't originally mean that. It was the office of collatio in latin i think we talked about this but after they had their collatio i think it's called conference in english they they would have to have a little snack because it was lent and they were hungry and they were too <laughs> tired to carry on with their arduous offices this was a later introduction in lent but it's kind of neat that especially the french word for snack is literally a, lit a liturgical office yeah that's cool Monks, cool. Monks. The, the cause and problem of every, the, yeah, yeah, the cause of every problem, yeah, the solution. So Holy Saturday, um, so dude, I love Holy Saturday. I mean, yeah. I've only seen it in the sixty-two. You saw it. You 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 saw it in the fifty-five. Yeah. So I mean, for me, I one of the things I absolutely love is just the rich symbolism that's just thrown in there. All of that's been ripped out in yeah. the Novus Ordo. The thing that I, I think I appreciated most about the Vigil Mass is that the priest shows, in a way, his real true power in a in a real veiled and mystical way. Um, so things like, um, so in the Easter Vigil, right, we've um, typically that's the day that we baptize people we renew our baptismal promises whatnot so there's the blessing of the easter water and whatnot um the thing that i love about it is or one of the favorite things i love about it is when he's blessing the water and he breathes yeah. on the water you know like the breath of a priest you know it's just again you know Bunini and all those crazy nuts, you know, at Vatican II decided to just rip out this beautiful thing that shows you just how connected our priests are to Christ, who, you know, breathed on the apostles, who, you know, um, you know, one of the cool things that I don't know if they do it in the in the 55, but in the in the 62, when they breathe on the on the Easter water. He breathes in the Greek um, symbol psi. So it kind of looks like, almost looks like a pitchfork um, if you were looking at it in Greek. But the, the word psi comes from the word spirit. Spirit, if you uh, are familiar with the scriptures, um, in Genesis 1, um, the spirit hovered over the waters. 
you know and so there's all these allusions to scripture that you don't necessarily know unless you've you know read and and learned but you know again you don't see that in the nova sardo my favorite thing is the what i saw at the vigil last year so pre-1955 the blessing of the new fire takes place outside but then they light three candles on this special stand they're lit in order one two and three and then those are the candles that are brought into the dark church and they're supposed to symbolize the light of the trinity that's there in the beginning in this dark church but we also do the you know i think you still do the lumen christi as you're walking up but then they specifically take the second candle that was lit, symbolizing the second person of the Trinity, and he comes down and lights the Paschal candle. That's so cool. And it's, yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, but, but again, why, why was that taken away? I don't know. Yeah. But we still have it. So if you can, yeah, if you can find it, you should go see it. Yeah. Yeah, so cool. So cool. My favorite thing at St. Joseph Oratory was after Mass, this guy brought foie gras. And we were smoking. <laughs> and he's like, hey, man, I do this every Easter. I'm like, sweet. Can I have some? And he's like, yeah. And I looked for that guy last year. <laughs> but he didn't come out. Anyway. Well, it was really windy and cold. But anyway. Yeah, that was a cold Easter last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of the, the liturgy itself of Easter, I mean, there's there's also something to be said about the uh, the removal of it within the liturgy of all the veils oh, yeah. that are over top of the statues and the crucifix and all of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I just I just love the when the Gloria starts going and then you know the bells start ringing. You're like yep. yeah, and like and the, all the you do that internally, guys. This isn't a Novus Ordo Mass, okay? So, you know, you're, you're ripping off all these things, watching the altar servers, you know, climb up, like you were saying, climbing up the altars. Yeah. Ripping stuff, stuff off. off, yeah. Like, it's, it's amazing to yeah. watch, you know, because it it just helps you enter in more fully into the, the joy of, of Easter. Yeah, man. I just, yeah, I love going to Vigil every year. I've always made that kind of a family commitment, Um like ever since the beginning, really, just we're going to vigil. Um, even when it was, you know, we had to go to the Novus Ordo, we would go to the vigil. Because um, you go to some horrible Detroit restaurant at two in the morning, like where did we go? It was where did we go? So two years ago, we went to Steak and Shake, steak and, and shake. that was that was a bad Steak and Shake, dude. I've been to you, you know what's weird? It, that's the second time I've been to vigil. Yeah. Or sorry, second time I went to Steak and Shake after a vigil. Yeah. Yeah. And the first time was in Pennsylvania, and that was a lot better. It was okay. It was. I'm so sorry, but yeah. you did you did roll in like two o'clock in the morning. I was. And... I know. I was a little late. I remember pulling the e brake to peel into oh my, my parking spot. I, I was like, "Wait!" So, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was like it's Easter. The... Yeah, whiskey in the car. I'll have a coffee, please. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh, with cream. With cream. yeah, I want yes. cream in my coffee. Yeah, that was yeah. cool. Oh my gosh, that was very cool. Yeah, guys. Like, and then. You know the Easter, the Easter Sunday Mass. It's just beautiful. Like, um, I know I think Oratory's doing some, like like Palestrina or something. Yeah. The first one in the morning is a, it's a low mass with an organ, and then they have a solemn high mass that's orchestral. Yeah, a fancy setting. Yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, 
Grotto is doing orchestral too. I'm not sure. Sadly, I don't think that they have yet announced. They probably just announced this week uh, their schedule. So, but yeah, guys, honestly, honestly, I, I have found such great benefit of making the sacrifice to go like it's become something where it's not a sacrifice to go you know like i mean yeah it's a sacrifice of time and vacation and whatever but honestly it's worth it it's worth it it helps you enter in um and you don't walk away from your liturgies during the holiest of weeks face palming and and upset that you know of about the the maltreatment that our lord receives during those liturgies you know how noisy have you know does a a novus ordo become you know during good friday at least here in you know st thomas london like it's just a noise fest and mm-hmm. yeah Chatter. that day needs to be silent you know just like the silence of the cross needs to be silent yeah it, holy saturday is a pretty somber day i never really thought about it until aaron mentioned it like our ladies kind of desolation that day too right yeah that's and you kind of have a devotion to that don't you our lady of solitude oh yeah that's a yeah there's portuguese statues of our lady of solitude they're like you can't get more portuguese than that it's just like <laughs> our lady and there's no swords in her heart but it's just our lady with like the frumpiest black clothing and usually it looks like her her like you can just tell she's been crying though like when you just google our lady of solitude it's some pretty vivid and like weird like medieval style statues something like uh, even i'm a little like whoa that's intense but um i have a question sure um no one will appreciate it except me but the mass of the chrism from what i can remember i looked at the rubrics about a year ago it uh just to throw it in there for doing Holy Week, the Mass of the Chrism pre fifty five involved that, and this would have happened on what day? I have absolutely no idea. I thought it happened on Thursday. Um, I thought it happened before. It does now. I don't know if it did then. No, I, I thought. Um, I have no idea. I but I just remember that it required, besides like the deep priest, deacon, and subdeacon, it required twelve more priests and seven deacons, and there was like. <laughs> You, uh, this thing only appeals to MCs who have been at a mass, but like the the organization in trying to get that many people to do things in step, there was just like it's almost when I was reading the rubrics, it was like a dance. It's just like the, the the deacons come up processed and they're like presenting stuff to the bishop and he's blessing it and it's it's it's, it's like really a, cool and like a beehive dance. It's very complicated. Very dance. complicated. Very maybe I'll try to just put that on the show notes for like the the other mcs out there just it's really cool just to see what that like how you know because that was a special day that's the oils that's used throughout the entire year but anyway that's yeah. the chrism yeah again shout out to bees yeah and so yeah no bees in the liturgy of yeah. of holy saturday get so much love yeah it's I love it's it. cool and pre-1955 um the the exultet actually starts with the Paschal candle unlit, and then when it speaks of incense, it talks about bees, yes, and that this candle is the work of bees. But when it talks about incense, there's a pause to put the incense into it, and then the candle is actually lit with that second candle halfway through the exultet. 
but it it was kind of neat it showed that the deacon was imparting kind of a, a blessing on the candle too or is that's totally yeah. gone now yeah yeah deacons had deacons had cool roles in the tradition ancient right? ancient roles mm-hmm. ancient. yeah don't worry permanent deacons will restore it to y'all one day yeah. <laughs> actually you know I, yeah, I, our uh our friend um deacon mark nugabar has been studying the jewish roots of the diaconate to see where that comes from and actually there there are connections to temple sacrifice and and a role of a deacon not that it was formally called that but there yeah. there were there were people in the temple that acted like deacons do for us so. cool cool well this is just a little snippet of some of the things you might pick up if you're lucky enough to go to a pre-1955 holy week don't you know don't go in trying to you know with your nose in a book just trying to see everything that way just like watch it yeah it's very cool especially if this is your first well first latin mass holy week it'd be tough if this is the first latin mass you ever went to trying to follow it but um i think i I don't think you'll be disappointed no no yeah this has been fun guys um yeah so one thing we were gonna say though is that we i mean for us we love reading this stuff we love spending time reading this these this holy stuff because it helps us raise our mind to god and to kind of contemplate god's beauty in a way um yeah yeah and i was just thinking it came to my mind when this morning when i woke up and we are gonna do podcasts like this yeah when when you're listening to podcasts like this and you know we just did our mental prayer podcast i hope you listen to it the the most important thing don't don't let this podcast or like you know the pre-55 and like stupid rubric stuff like interfere with your relationship so i'm just hoping um, that you're doing some lives of the saints or uh, just any type of good spiritual reading because i find if if like the reason we love this stuff so much is just more because we love god who's glorified by it and that's kind of what gets in our excitement. I would say we can be too attached to certain things, but yeah. I think I think you'll be more understanding of us if like we've we've all done our share of spiritual reading. Um, and the lives of the saints like changed my life. I read Butler's for almost the entire year, and it was just great. And it just you know so I don't know like even Saint Francis would has a deacon he probably would have done some of this cool holy week stuff mm-hmm. and master the chrism he would have loved everything about it because he loved god so much so i was you know i was you know there's so many naysayers not naysayers but critics who are just like you guys are talking about such stupid stuff talk about the love of god and that's true people we should talk about the love of god which you can get through spiritual reading um mm-hmm. which you should be doing 15 minutes a day every day and then you know this stuff probably will be more not accessible but yeah. just excite you more like it does us so. yeah yeah and i think yeah that's the whole thing like we're we're so used to especially for those of us like myself who came from a nova sordo background you know we're used to seeing banal masses and to be able to go and see the beauty and the history Mm -hmm. you know 
I don't know. Like I was thinking about this actually driving to mass today and about the fact that like I I always sucked at history so bad. But one of the things that excites me to learn history is to see it lived. And so like I love learning about especially church history, um, especially like liturgical history, because I can see it before my eyes at the Latin Mass, where I didn't have that in the Novus Ordo. I always kind of wished I had that ability to see what the the saints saw and whatnot. But yeah, and so yeah, it like you said, it it ra- helps to raise your mind and heart to God. Yeah, I don't know, like yeah, we we love the liturgy because we love we love our Lord and and we want to see him worshipped and glorified properly, you know. Not that ever our worship you know ever suffices for one so great as his majesty but like yeah not that (laughs) ours is any better than anyone going down to the cathedral here in london but seeing it the way the church wanted it to be because the church offers you know perfect worship to our lord yeah yeah because at the end of the day it's not heard that worships our lord yeah. it's our lord yeah. <laughs> you know it's christ who adores the father christ the victim christ the priest yeah yeah so anyway yeah no very good point Aaron. so we've and we've got a lot of feedback from our uh, purveyor of truth bombs yeah. okay let's, let's hear it let's hit it matt mm-hmm. you're gonna start mm-hmm. with this or do you want me to do the truth bomb well i think we should just we're not going to recap the great debate from last podcast but our purveyor of truth bombs says ha I think he laughed, referring to our Lord. If there are two kinds of laughter, laughing with and laughing at, the first he would have experienced, with perfect moderation, of course, and the second he condemned in St. Luke's Beatitudes. Now, just before I go on, I want to point out that this text message was directed at Aaron, and that will become apparent quickly. It's hard to imagine his interactions with children, his punny witticisms, only apparent in the original Aramaic, or the accusations of his being a drunkard, all without any laughter. By the way, Aaron, I have never heard you so sober as you were in the podcast released recently. Are you experiencing withdrawal? And then he signs it, your purveyor of truth bombs. And I, I think, <laughs> so that's a that's an interesting point. And I think Aaron pointed that out himself in yeah. the last podcast. I'm having my midland crisis. Yes. Yeah. But then, what did he give us another truth bomb? So he gave us a truth question, which oh no, bit of an oxymoron. I don't even know what to do with this. To me, this is going to be kind of anyway. So I don't know what it's called when the priest breaks the host. The the fracturate. He he called it that. I never heard that part. The fracturate. Does our Lord feel that? Feel that? Like what does he feel when that happens? No. Oh come on, that's it. No. No, well, uh, well. Here's what I, I would say. Right, it's a very intense moment, Chris. Don't take this from me. Do, I will oh, say. Well, do, do you do you have an well, answer? I don't. I don't know that he feels it in that sense. Just like, you know, sometimes if you're running out of hosts at a mass, the priest does have to kind of break the hosts as well, and each half still contains the whole Christ. Yeah, that's so. What I, I I, like, I don't think it's. I think it's more for us. You hear that. And like that's our Lord, bod- our Lord's body being broken symbolically. Do you get you get, you hear that well? In, oh yeah. Because just emceeing and being right beside that, I have gotten like shivers down my spine. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I got to get the heck out of this place. Like it's anyway. So you, everyone can hear that. 
Yeah, and I'm generally, way at the generally. back. Oh, the left. Yeah. Especially if you got one of those like frisbee sized hosts, you know, and yeah. it's <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that that anyway, that was my first uh reaction to that too. It's like, yeah. no, he's 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 present in every single part of every particle equally yeah. as much. That's so not a does separation. He, so does you feel it? But you know, but, I, yeah. I, I thought that was good enough to pass along anyway, just food yeah. for thought. Interesting I mean, for, for me, if we want to talk of, you know, hashtag mental prayer, when I hear that sound, sometimes what I'll do is I'll meditate on the moment where Christ was uh, scourged or mm. um, moments of his passion yeah. um, where, you know, like the, the sound of his, you know, arm dislocating as yeah. they pulled it onto the cross, you know, like just those things kind of help me to yeah, recall agree. his passion i just yeah his body was broken yeah on the like yeah. but his his bones yeah. were not broken, not broken. in fulfillment of yeah. the scriptures <laughs> only dislocated which mm-hmm. i mean that that's almost like can be it probably would have been equally as painful probably mm-hmm. yeah oh man but lent um, lent yeah here we go and Tridum. let's spe- go yeah, we let's are go. taking a break on yes. the podcast train yeah, for Holy Week. For Holy Week, give us a break. We got a lot of podcasts with show notes that have nothing in them but ideas, and they're not. They're not yeah, so yeah, they're coming. They're, they're coming. coming. So yeah. So in two weeks we'll be back. We're we're going to be featuring a conversation I had with a guy by the name of Greg, who we've talked about on this podcast. Hi, Greg. Um, welcome back to the internet. And. Um, and Jen, who are both secular discuss Carmelites, because we kind of got that question from your mom about Carmel and stuff. And so I thought, hey, why not get these people on the podcast to talk about their experience of being called to to secular Carmel, secular discuss Carmelites. So, yeah, I know. So that's coming in two weeks. So you should be able to hear that on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Um, also, we may, depending how how lenty we are on the scale we we might do maybe a, a live stream or something down in detroit while we're there we yeah uh, we, uh, we might be feeling very true to me yeah we in which case it might not happen <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll put a post up either way yeah you do you know what happened at, at the end of easter last year for me no so <laughs> So I'd given up Facebook for Lent, and so at the end of of Lent, um, all of my my friends produced a a video of them all singing "In the Arms of the Angels" by Sarah McLaughlin, um, and posted it as like the first thing I would see when I checked Facebook on the Easter morning. Your friends are bomb, but didn't they have an hour or like twenty hours of content that you had to catch up with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's just like, like right now, like we have a closed Facebook group, and we, I mean, I don't, I haven't checked that one because it's all day, every day. Um, but yeah, they, I'll never catch up on that. Like, yeah, but yeah, Father Steve used to create. I don't know if he's doing it this year. They're they're planning something because Brooke. Brooke created a Facebook group for the group of them to plan a prank, an Easter prank for me this year. Oh, really? And she accidentally invited me to it. Oh, and then that's... immediately she's like, what are you doing here? Get out. And they kicked Smooth me out. Move, yeah. Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> so that's they're fun. planning something. I don't know what's happening, but I'm really intrigued to know. Uh, I miss uh, Facebook. The first day of like on, 
um, Ash Wednesday, I literally had jitters. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah. I had jitters. I was just like, I, I need to check my Facebook status. I've been trying to do just check Facebook once a day and check my like internet once a day and then just kind of be done with it. So like 20 yeah. minutes or so. And yeah, I find it. I just, yeah. Wow. I get jitters, man. It's yeah. tough. It's tough. Yeah. What are people saying about me? So anyway, <laughs> anyway thank, thank. <laughs> if you, if you want to know what people are saying about Aaron, come and join Facebook, uh, be our hundredth follower and you'll get, uh, we'll pray for you <laughs> at the true one together. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. We're praying for you guys, actually. Um, and uh, we appreciate everybody listening and checking out. Aaron, you want to send it? Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you have a great Easter. We will. And we um, look forward to doing another podcast shortly and getting it out there. After Easter, we'll be jolly again. There'll be three whiskeys for sure. So <laughs> back to the whiskey guarantee. Um, and until then, check us out on Facebook, Instagram. Those are the two favorites, really. Yeah. Oh, so anyway have a good one thanks for listening congratulations on making it to the end of today's podcast we're glad you stuck around to the end we'd love to know your thoughts on today's podcast message us on facebook or dm on instagram at theology of the buddy or email us at theology of the buddy at gmail.com also don't forget that we'd love for you to leave us a voicemail through the facebook messenger app just click the send message on the main page and click the little microphone icon at the bottom to send a voicemail. We may even feature it on the show. If you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. If you're feeling charitable this Lent, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. The boys and I will be taking next week off to enter into Holy Week. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram as we will try to do some Holy Week live streams to make up for the lack of an episode. In two weeks, Chris will be joined by two other Secular Discalced Carmelites to discuss the Secular Discalced Carmelite vocation. Make sure you're subscribed so you'll know when it comes out. We'll save you a seat at the table. New episodes are normally released every Wednesday. Have a blessed Holy Week, and we will see you after Easter.